you tonight want to know Jesus more? I do. All right. Well, let's just jump right on that. How's that for an introduction? Wow. We'll fix that. All right. Let's just jump right on into the Word. Turn to Luke chapter 24. Give you a few seconds to get there, and then we're going to read a good portion of uh, scripture. And I would ask <clears throat> the scriptures that I might be reading tonight, you might have heard preached before, but I ask that you just give me a little time because we might end up at a different destination than you're normally used to uh, hearing this scripture. So in Luke chapter 20, I'm going to have Dustin read for us. Is it okay if we get Dustin to read for us tonight since he is so quick to the draw? <laughs> Dustin, I would like for you to start in Luke chapter 20 and read verses 45, and I want you to read right on through to chapter 21, and I want you to stop at verse 4 in chapter 21. So whenever you're ready, you start at Luke 20, verse 45, and go right on to Luke 21, verse 4. While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing roads and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the place of honor at the banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow who put two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All those people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Amen. All right. I actually got that. I've been studying Luke now for a while. Uh, Luke is such a historian that we could just get caught up in one chapter and just dig in and there's so much good stuff in Luke. And I would say two weeks before we moved out here, I got stuck in this chapter because I read this account and I saw something that got Jesus' attention. And when something gets Jesus' attention, I want it to get my attention. I want to know what gets his attention. Amen? Amen. And this, this account is recorded in two different Gospels. And you look, being the historian that he is, could have recorded everything, but not everything's recorded. So if something's recorded, it's there for a purpose, right? Amen. Amen. So I get excited when I find these little things. I just want to spend some time on them and just see. I want to know what Jesus saw. He said he looked up and he saw. And so tonight we're going to look at what he saw. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let, me, let me just set this for you. Let's look at the setting. It's Jesus' last week. Coming to the end of his ministry. He has come to Jerusalem for the Passover. And here he is. He's in the temple at this time. And this part of the temple was called the Court of the Women. Where he is. Um, and there's people coming up. He's communicating with a lot of uh, the Pharisees. In fact, the chief priests... If you go back and you want to read all of Luke, this is the account. The chief priest 
and the teachers of the law, they come up and they begin to question Jesus. They ask him, where did you get your authority? Now we have the chief priest here. And he wants to know, where did you get your authority? Because he thinks he's got all the authority. And so he, they ask, and then that's when he says, well, where did John get his baptism? And then, then you have the Pharisees and the Herodians. The Pharisees went and got the, um, the political party at the time. They were in charge to make sure that everybody paid their taxes. They were, they were like the policemen at the time. They were the Herodians. Your scripture calls them the Herodians. It says the Pharisees and the Herodians came up to him. Everybody's going to test Jesus at this time. And they tried to trick him with the question of the taxes. Because they knew the laws. They knew all these things and they thought they could trick Jesus. Then you have the Sadducees. I mean, one after another after another. Here he is, has become to be the Passover lamb. And they're, gonna, they're just throwing stuff at him. These are the religious leaders and the rulers at the time. And the Sadducees tried to trick him about the resurrection. They thought they were going to get him. I mean, the chief priests didn't get him with the teachers. The Pharisees and the Herodians couldn't get him. The Sadducees tried to get him. They asked him a complex question. And he says, you're speaking about something you don't even have a clue about. You don't even know what you're talking about. It's not like that in the resurrection. Then he begins to warn the people about these religious leaders and rulers. He begins to warn the people about them. He says how they like their robes or how they, they just love to the good things. They love the best seat of the house. They, they love the accolades. We've been talking about the accolades. They love the accolades. He said, I want you to beware of them. And in the midst of it, he's going to put them all to shame because this little widow woman comes up with two little copper coins. We, we hear the, the uh, terminology, two mites. She had two mites, uh, just for those that like to do the teaching. There was no um, denomination at that time called mite. The translators of the King James text, that it was a mite at that time. So it was just two copper coins. It was the least amount of a denomination of um, Israel's money. And really, Israel's money was becoming worth less and less and less as the Romans came in. The Romans began to push their money. And so here she is, and she's got two mites left. And the scripture tells us that she put both of them in. And we're going to look at that because he saw something. He did, you know what? He saw something in the Pharisees. He saw something in the Sadducees. He saw something in the chief priests. But he saw something better in this little woman. Amen. This little poor widow woman. It's amazing how they don't leave out detail, how Luke didn't leave out detail. She wasn't just a widow, she was a poor widow. And just happened to be, at this time, perfect place. There she is. She may not even have known that he was talking about her. But she was at the right place at the right time and became a perfect example. Amen. 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 He, may, he declares something. He actually says this in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he says, you see this little poor woman? First of all, he says, I don't want you to listen to these men. But to add injury to insult, or insult to injury, he says, she's put in more than you all. And I'm serious. When I read this, I reached in my pocket. I pulled out two copper coins. And I looked at it. 
And I've been looking at two copper coins every day since then. We're going to look at two copper coins tonight. Amen. You see, I'm not sure who counts up the offering at the end of the night, but if I went there and dropped two coins, whoever counts it off would say, oh, one of the kids put in two coins. <laughs> you know, how touching is that? How touching is that? It doesn't really amount to a whole lot. It's not going to pay the light bill. It's not going to uh, feed the orphan overseas. It's not going to do any of those things. But it was more than all the rich had put in. And the rich came and they began to give. He says, because the rich gave from their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, gave all that she had to live on. And I did the research. It would have bought her one little bread. It was her last meal. She went up, and she made an offering, and this is a free will offering. It was her, her free will to make this offering. She could have had every excuse to buy her last bread, but she dropped it in there. And he says, shame on you Pharisees, because this is the woman you're supposed to be taking care of. She should not be giving her last two mites. It's your responsibility in my word to take, to take care of the widow, the poor widow. And she has shamed you all with her two mites, with all that you have. Your robe is enough to feed her for a month. Wow. And she shames you because she stands here before Jesus, the creator. He's watching this. And she drops in two little mites as a testimony. They were not doing what they were commanded to do. Amen? So we're going to look at that tonight. Amen? I've got some slides, and mainly the slides is so I can continue to go and not spend too much time behind the pulpit. You see, I said, seriously, come on. She gave more than all the rich. He's not being sarcastic. He's not. He's being real. Because when Jesus looks at an offering, which is a sacrifice... He doesn't look at how much you gave. He looked at he looks at what you gave. Okay? She has given more than I have ever given. In fact, I look, the largest donation ever comes from Bill Gates. Bill Gates donated. He just gave away $28 billion. And the Lord said her two mites were more because he gave her a $28 billion gift from a $61 billion empire. He still has $30 billion. Kind of changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, poor Bill Gates, now all he has is $30 billion to live on. And so here's this woman with her last, her last meal. She makes an offering to the Lord. And tonight, my message is titled, Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Amen. So you can go ahead and you can give me the first slide here. I'm going to make sure I catch all my notes. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start with the slides. You see, a sacrifice. And we just finished up Hebrews. I, I, was, I was very excited. We just read this Monday night. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16 says, 
through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice. Listen to what the sacrifice is. Of praise, we did that. In worship, I hope that what we offered up was a sacrifice of praise. Amen. The fruit of our lips that confess His name. But after that, don't forget. Let us not forget to do good and to share with others for which such sacrifice God is pleased. You see, what would a sacrifice mean if it didn't please God? Then what would it accomplish? We might be pleased with it, but how many here want to please God with their, their sacrifice? Amen? I, the Pharisees were quite impressed with theirs. But Jesus was not too impressed. He was impressed with the little woman. Let's go ahead to the next slide. Because you see, when we sacrifice, and I'm not going to just be talking about money tonight, because and we're going to talk about the purpose of sacrifice. And I hope we end up at a place where we are desiring to know Jesus more and more and more. But one of the things we need to look at is our sacrifice. Because when we present a sacrifice, it shows us our heart. It shows God our heart. It shows Him our motives and the things we set our affections on. They're revealed by our sacrifices. When we give... See, you ever heard talk is cheap? Yes. Talk is cheap. But when we present a sacrifice... It exposes what's really in our heart. And we can tell God one thing, but He's really looking at what we're willing to sacrifice. Because these Pharisees had sacrificed out of their wealth. Sacrificed out of their wealth. Go ahead, give me that next slide. Let's look at the sacrifice meter. <laughs> <laughs> We've got green here. It represents excess, luxury. we got yellow. It represents comfort and convenience. And then we've got red, needs and essentials. Excess and luxury. Well, we might not go to Disneyland this year. I would rather spend the money to go to Romania. We'll sacrifice that. That's a luxury. I mean, Mickey Mouse can wait, right? <laughs> Comfort and convenience. You don't really need two cars. You can do with one. It's a convenience to have two cars. We can do without one car so the kingdom of God can go forth. Now we're getting into the yellow zone. Oh, it's hurting. We're inconvenienced by our giving. And then we have red. Where now I have given up the ability to meet my own needs by an offering and a sacrifice. I'm going to be honest with you tonight. I've never been in the red. And that's not to demean anything, and, and it's not a uh, false humility. When I see a woman who's got her last meal, and she drops it in there, nothing I've ever given up even compares to it. 
when I read Brother Young and I look at what I go through, guess what? I wonder if I've even hit green yet. Because I'm like, man, that, you know what? He wasn't pitying the poor woman. Those of you that's reading the book, he didn't pity Young. There was no pity there. He met Yon in his suffering, but he didn't pity him. He's not pitying the poor woman. I did a lot of research, and they're saying, oh, you, this was, Jesus is pitying the poor woman. And he's trying to shame the Pharisees. He's not pitying her. Why? The only way he would be able to pity her is if he didn't think God could take care of her. Amen. He would have pity on her. But he's not. He's shaming the Pharisees and is exalting the gift of the woman and confounding Amen. and confusing the Pharisees. I'd like to know what they said in their heart right about that time. What's that going to do for the kingdom of God? What's that going to do for the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus is not always worried about what our gift can accomplish. We're going to talk about it tonight. It's called sacrifice. Let me ask you. Burn off him. What did that? How did that? It just disappeared. Gone. The offering is just gone. So we're going to look tonight. Look at verse uh, 4. Chapter 21 of Luke, it said, All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. They gave in the green. And they felt real good about it. I feel good about it when I give in green. But she put all she had to live on in. She gave the very last end of the red. She gave the last meal. And I'm going to talk about how, why we need to at points to get to that red. And we're going to look at that tonight. How sacrifice, we think that's an Older Testament concept. And Jesus is so looking for it in the earth. So looking for it in the earth. And there's a reason behind all of it. You see, we live in the first world. I got to thinking about this and I got to thinking, man, tithe is so first world. We're talking 10%. That it. Countries where there's not much food, do you think they worry about if they pay? God, I give 10%. Yeah. I met a man in Mexico who his shoes had worn the bottom off of him, and somebody gave him a new pair of shoes. And almost immediately, he met a man who had no shoes. So guess which pair he gave him? The good pair. He took his shoes off, gave the pair to the man, and went home back to his old pair. I would have I got another pair for you right in my house. I got a perfect pair for you. Because that's the we're a first world mentality. And we wonder should we give our 10% before taxes? Doesn't 10% sound so trivial now? 10%. That's the Pharisee saying. Do I give in my excess and luxury or do I give up a confidence? That 10%. Let's go to the next slide. Let me bring this back up. Our hearts and motives and the things we set our affection on are revealed by our sacrifice, our giving. So what I'm saying is, and what you might think that I'm saying, is can we give something that doesn't really impress God too much? Can we give and we be satisfied, but it actually exposed our heart before God? And we've gone away thinking, you did a good deed. I did something good. I did real good, right? Well, let's look at this offering. How many Cain and Abel's offering? You can get to the next slide. I 
believe that's it. One of them was accepted, and the other one was rejected. And it wasn't because one of them had blood and the other one didn't have blood. It was because one exposed the heart and the life of what he was really living. And he thought, can you imagine giving God an offering and him not accepted? I would have been mad too. Okay, I'm going to just be honest with you. I was thinking, you know, maybe if he didn't give and God got upset, and then maybe if he gave an offering. I don't want your offering because your offering exposes your heart and it's not acceptable. Not because your offering is not in the right formula, it's because it shows me what's first in your life. Because Abel gave from the best, the best of his life. And we, hey, I got that one limping in the back. Let's go get him. Let's get that one limping in the back. Because God will be, we're going to give a sacrifice and hey, he just loves when we give, right? Doesn't matter what we give. Right? Turn with me to Malachi. Chapter 1. And trust me, it's not about money tonight. It's not. There's a purpose in where we're going tonight. There is a purpose. Malachi chapter 1. <laughs> you there, Dustin? I knew you were. Can you read verse 6 through 14? It's a little lengthy. But I just, I just want you to read verse 6 through 14 of Malachi 1. A son, a, a son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is my honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar, but you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Now implore God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless, useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. I will not accept no offerings from your hands. My name will be great among the nations. From the rising to the settings of the sun, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name. Because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying of the Lord's table, it is defiled, and of its food, it is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. 
and you sniff, you sniff, sniff at the contempt, contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, crippled, and diseased animals and offer them as a sacrifice, should I accept them from your hand, says the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who has has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrificed a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. There's a lot going on there. And I'm not that deep. But he says, shame is the man who's got the perfect sacrifice on this field. But it's too hard. So he starts looking around and says, what can I afford? What can I afford? Every time I give, what's the first thing they say? Well, what can we afford? What can we afford to give? What can I afford to give? We live in a first world where everything we desire is here. I got a revelation one time standing in front of a Coke cooler. I go into the gas station and I look, and I'm thirsty, but I'm not quite sure what I'm thirsty for. So I start on one end. And I look and I see there's Coke, there's Coke Zero, there's Cherry Coke, there's Vanilla Coke, there's Diet Coke, there's Coke Zero Cherry. And then I got on through the Sprite and the Dr. Pepper. And then I started with the Pepsi. And then there was Pepsi Max. And there was Diet Pepsi. And there was A&W Root Beer. And there was A&W Cream Soda. And I kept on 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 and on and I said now how are we supposed to deny the flesh when it can have whatever it wants you want to know what's the biggest thing that I noticed in Mexico they don't have the selection we have we went into the hardware store and we're like come on they don't have wood they don't have concrete every house is made out of concrete yet they don't have concrete <laughs> we can buy anything our flesh wants. But yet the scripture says that to be able to follow him, we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross. How does a first world deny itself when it has every luxury known to man? I mean, if I wanted a diet drink, it was there. If I wanted a regular Coke, it was there. If I wanted an energy drink, it was there. If I wanted a Java Monster, it was there. It was not there in Mexico. We looked for it. They didn't have Java monsters. <laughs> and I know some of you are thinking, yeah, well, you know, the scripture says it's better to obey than sacrifice, right? Well, what about your greatest sacrifice is being obedience? Now, how do you figure that one out? The greatest sacrifice will ever be is to be obedient. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Because you might say, yeah, but you, you just have to give whatever is purposed in your heart, you know? So let's look at that scripture. Let's look at what Paul was talking about to the Corinthian church in, Jack, in uh, the second letter, chapter 9, verse 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart. Wow. So your gift is a reflection that comes up from where? Your heart. Your heart. But... You should not give reluctantly. 
You know what reluctantly means? You regret it as you give it. <laughs> Nor should you give it under compulsion. That means you're going to regret it later. <laughs> you gave it out of a compulsion, but then you want to go do something and you're like, I gave my, my last 20. We should not give with regret. We shouldn't go out in our field and say, that's the perfect sacrifice. Well, what can I afford? See, as Americans, we hear that often. Just give what you can afford. God understands. Just give what you can afford. God understands. But when we give, we're expressing hidden motives of our heart. And we go away thinking, wow, I did a great deal. I'm paying tithes. That's 10%. That sounds, 10% at the end of the night is not going to sound like a whole lot. And, and I'm not talking about just giving money because we're about to get completely off of money. And like I said, there's a purpose. We have a destination. He said if shame is a man who has a sacrifice but yet finds convenience a little further in the back and brings that. Because we give out of our convenience. We do. We give. How many How many of us, I mean, I started analyzing my life. I, I, I really got down to it. Where am I giving from? Even of my time. Does it inconvenience me to stay on the phone until midnight? Does it convenience me to lose sleep? Does it convenience me to help somebody in need? You know, we best might be inconvenienced for the gospel. At best, even in my life. At, at best, I might have been inconvenienced for the kingdom of God. But we're talking about sacrifice tonight. And it's so important. It's so important sacrifice tonight. I thought it was an Old Testament term and that Jesus is the perfect we love to say that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice and you just give what you can afford and, and what's in your heart. Because God loves a cheerful giver, right? He loves a cheerful giver. And if you regret it before you give it, you're not going to be very cheerful. And if you regret it after, you're not going to be very cheerful. It just exposes the condition of our heart. All right. Let me go to the next slide. This is where the rubber meets the road. Because this is where I'm going. I'm not going. I'm not asking you to give any more money because I want to know how can we truly know him without suffering and we live in a first world that says man to suffer we go help people who suffer that makes us feel better I don't want to know suffering because he suffered for me right makes his suffering seems all that much great I want to know Christ how many of you said Tonight, you want to know him more. You want to know him more. You, how many of you want to know the power of his resurrection? Yeah. Well, how many of you want to fellowship with him in the sharing of his sufferings? You know why? Because as a part of Christ, I can't know unless I suffer mm -hmm. with him. And as a first world, we don't know the sufferings of Christ. We like to declare his great suffering, but would never enter fellowship when in need. That means we have something in common. Yeah. 
how many of you tonight? I begin to read this and I begin to look. I said, God, I want to suffer for you because I want to know you better. I can't truly fellowship with him unless I've suffered myself. I get excited when I talk to people about computers that know computers. Do we have some fellowship? If you talk about painting, sorry, God, I just don't get excited about it. <laughs> I don't, there's no fellowship there. But there's a place where we can know him. But it requires suffering. That's a strange gospel. That's a strange gospel to say. I want to have fellowship and suffering. I thought he wanted me blessed. I thought that if I put some of my savings in there, my savings would increase and come back to me. You know, I thought that that was like you know, lottery ticket. You put in a dollar with the hopes of getting more back. How many of us want to become like him in his death? We want to know him in his resurrection power. I want to know him in his death. You know what? I want to know him in the suffering. You know what suffering is? Suffering is saying, I'm going to go to Mexico and take my children. Everybody start getting sick. Well, what do we do now? Drop your daughter off while she's sick and say, I'm going anyway. Amen. There is no other way to know him unless we're willing to suffer. Suffering means I'm going to go to another continent, to a place I've never been to, and it looks like I might not ever come back. But I'm going anyway. Because I will not get to know him unless I... It, people say, don't you know that Mexico is dangerous? <laughs> oh, yeah, but I can't know him unless I go. I can't know him unless I am willing to participate in suffering and become like him in his death. You ever wondered how the disciples could be on their knees getting stones throw, thrown at them and saying, I don't feel worthy to die for my Lord. Because it was an honor to know him in his death. Amen. They could say, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus, I'm coming to meet you. First world says, that was foolish. That was stupid. That was dumb. It's foolish to take your children into harm's way. Came out knowing Jesus. And if I'm telling you, and you know what? If I have to spill my blood on foreign ground and not come back, I'm going to know him. Amen. That's the sacrifice that he's looking at. Now, how trivial does tithing sound? 10%. 10%. Because you know what? As Americans, we're always trying to get away with as much as we can before taxes, after taxes. You know what the lady went up there? Watch this. Two copper coins. I wonder if she was thinking, well, how do I tie from this? Maybe I'll just give one. Because he wouldn't want me to give everything, right? I get 50%. Do you understand this woman didn't have the ability to raise any funds? She was a poor widow woman. She wasn't some young guy who could go out and work all day and then begin to feed himself. She was being neglected by the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had on their beautiful robes. We've got 
churches in America where you can park, you have to park a half a mile down there, but they will bring you in the trolley, the happy trolley. <laughs> and the sound system costs a quarter of a million dollars. Now, where would you want your money to go to? A sound system that costs a quarter of a million dollars or it fed some um, orphans in there. It took care of the widows. It took care of an old folks home in Mexico. I know sometimes it gets hot in here, but you can spend money on the AC. Where's it? Where's that fall? Can we get the um, convenience? I mean, the uh, sacrifice scale. I mean, the sacrifice meter. Where, what are we willing to give up? Well, how about we put it? Well, how about we each pitch in about a grand, and we get steeper? <laughs> Maybe we can get an extra air conditioner. Maybe we can meet the essential needs of others by giving up our essential needs. Amen. Yeah. Because you know what? Sacrifice. I'm going to read you some scriptures, and I want you to hear them in the light of everything that I'm saying, because God's not after your money. Because he was more impressed with this than all of the big gifts, all of the rich gifts. A sacrifice is sweet smelling. A real sacrifice. Where he said, man, that is my best lamb that I can give. It's hard for me to give that up. For us to suffer, you know, Jesus is in the garden and he's suffering. Where his will, God's will, suffering. We cannot have, we want to know him, truly do, we truly want to know him. We can't do it without sacrifice. Now, I'm not telling you to go get a whip and start whipping yourself so you can suffer. Because Lord knows I suffered for a lot of foolishness that did not bring me closer to Jesus. Okay. But I want to suffer so the widow has more than this to give. Amen. And she doesn't have to give her last meal while we're wearing robes, $120 jeans. I have two vehicles. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to give up anything just to give up and say, what do you want me to give up? Because I want to know what you want me to give up. I want to know suffering because I want to know you. I, everybody wants to know the power and the blessing. There's something to get. I mean, come on, what kind of gospel is that to get excited about possibly suffering for Jesus Christ? We some strange people to get excited and say, God, I, I want to know you. I want to know you. Let's read some of these scriptures real quick. just read them. You don't have to go there. I just want you to listen to them. Luke chapter 9 verses 23 and 24. This is Luke. He says, he said to them all, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life, he will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save him. Whoever desired, he said to them all, it wasn't just one person. I mean, we like to, to make sure we know that it was that one rich young ruler. But he said to them all, 
I got an invitation. Who wants to come suffer with me? Who wants to deny themselves? How do you deny yourself when there's 350 Coke flavors you truly choose from? Every convenience that we know to man is available at our fingertips. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. Paul says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. After reading that, something just begins to stir in my heart. Not only is it for you, has it been granted to you on Christ's behalf to believe in Him, but to suffer for Him. I begin to look at suffering in a whole new light. Because in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 8, it says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, the heirs, the heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him. How can we be joint heirs if we don't suffer? We in America have avoided suffering at all costs. And we have a gospel that tells us it doesn't glorify God for you to suffer. It doesn't even glorify Him if you suffer. It glorified Him when I saw a man give away his good pair of shoes and go back to his old shoes that have holes in the bottom. It glorifies him when we offer to purchase something for him. And he says, I must believe in some things for the Lord. I don't want you to provide everything for me. I must believe. We're willing to suffer. Isn't it alarming that we identify with the rich man in the scriptures? And not, does that alarm anybody else but me? That I identify more with the rich man than I do with Lazarus at his gate. That I identify more with the Pharisees in their offering than I do with the widow in her offering. It scares me. Second Corinthians. Chapter 8, verse 8. But you know what? Uh, God really wouldn't expect you know, to give false poverty or to give in your poverty. I mean, I you know how many articles I read that said that that was a shame that the poor widow had to give the two mites and that he was uh, showing pity on her? Because the poor shouldn't have to give. Right? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8. I'm going to let you go there and do mine. All right. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. So we're going to be talking about grace. He says, I want you. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian church. Don't we want to know about the grace that was given to the Macedonian church? And look who he's writing to. They're in our time, the first world, the rich church. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. I mean, it's pretty bad when you say poverty. 
in their extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. It probably wasn't much more than this. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able to. Wow. It wasn't as much as they were able to in green or as much as they were able to in yellow. They gave as much as they were able to. She didn't give one. She gave as much as she was able to. I mean, I begin. You, you ever heard the saying, let me put in my two cents? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two cents. One for God, one for me. Right? He says, listen to this. This is even beautiful. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Beyond their ability. Great. This is the grace to give beyond what you're even able to give entirely on their own showed something, I bet you did not so their heart. Their heart was exposed in that offering. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. Now we have the extremely poor excited to participate in giving. I bet you that, that giving didn't accomplish a whole lot according to our standards. The, the woman, why would you think that provided for the temple? You understand what I'm saying? But who was watching? Who saw? Carza. He wasn't as impressed with the Pharisees and their gifts. Two little sins caught his eye. It says, and they exceeded our expectations. Wow, they, they even exceeded what we thought they could give. That's amazing. They gave themselves first of all to who? Says the Lord. And they by the will of God also to us. That's a humbling experience when the poor gives to you. Yeah, it is. Amen. But well, we started off tonight saying we wanted to know him. What Jesus do we want to know? And in what way do we want to know his hand? Do we want to know the riches of his kingdom? Do we want to fellowship with him in suffering? I don't know where to even go in my heart from here. But I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know him and his suffering. I'm scared that I, that I identify with the rich man so much. Because look, there was a rich young ruler. I don't know if I have that in my slides. Go through the, make sure all my slides are done. Except for the last one, there's a picture. the last one. I wish there was a success story in every story in the Bible. But it said, you, you guys will be familiar with this. Story. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and be and come, take up your cross and follow me. It says, but he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, 
where he had great possessions, and he was probably in America. And so we've devised teachers who tell us how blessed God wants us to be, and how rich he wants us to be. And I'm looking at the scriptures, and I'm seeing a different Jesus, who is inviting us and saying, come, fellowship with me, drink from my cup. This is the cup of suffering. Only know me if you drink from this cup. And he passed that cup around to all his disciples and he says, You don't know me. You're going to know me. I can't know him unless I know what gripped his heart in the Garden of Gethsemane. I can't know him unless I know what gripped his heart and they whipped and beat him. I want to know him. I don't know how to get there, but I hope when my time comes, I don't go away sad. Because I couldn't do it. And I'm going to let you come up because I really don't know where to go from here. Other than a want to know him no matter the cost. Amen. That word worth meditating on? Amen. I don't know whether you caught it. But the first chapter of Malachi, the 10th verse, literally implies that God would rather see the doors to his temple shut than people give less than their best. Shut the doors rather than that happen. The 21st chapter of Proverbs, the 13th verse, says if you ignore the cries of the poor, God will ignore your cries. These are little preached scriptures. I want to know the fellowship of the suffering of Christ. I think one of the proudest moments for me in Paul's ministry is when he said, let nobody give me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Christ. How many of us can say that? I'm going to suggest to you that one way we might sum up Brother Vincent's message tonight is to say that God does not judge the amount of money that you give to Him. He does judge the amount that you keep for yourself. If it was your children, if it was your loved one, may be thrilled to death that somebody made a generous offering. You'd be a whole lot less thrilled if you looked at how much they kept for themselves. Hmm? What if it was a limitless supply of hunger? What if it was an insurmountable problem? I want to ask you, how much did Jesus hold back? What did he have that he did not give for your benefit? Boy, right now we could be searching our hearts, couldn't we? You can tell where a man's idols are by what he protects, right? You ever been with somebody on a move? I've been on a lot of moves in my life. Say, hey, get that stuff over there and get that. But with this, this right here, look, be careful. Y'all wrap this in cellophane. You look, put a blanket on it. Look, maybe we ought to just put that in my car, okay? I don't want to tell you what that usually is on people's moves because it's their TVs. 
I did tell you what it is. <laughs> you might be able to judge the idol in your life tonight by what you've held back from Jesus. You might be able to judge what needs to go by what it is you fear losing the very most. Brent Wright, a missionary in Mexico, actually looked at us when we offered to get something that he needed terribly and said, no, it's good for us to have to pray and trust the Lord. You've met enough needs. And later that evening, somebody called and pledged to meet that need because the Lord saw us part. I want to tell you, leave nothing for the trip home. I'm not much on movies these days, but for whatever reason, while Brent was preaching, I kept flashing back to an old movie. And it was a superior athlete and a weakling brother. And they used to do this thing where they swam out into the ocean. They'd wait and see who gave up and who went home first. And the superior athlete kept losing to the weakling brother. I like a widow with two months. Near the end of the movie, they do this one last time. He says, how is it that you always beat me? He said, I never kept anything for the trip home. I was willing to die to win. If we could get that serious about the gospel, if we could ask him what will it cost and instead just give all we have, how many tribes would get reached? never preach about money. That's what guest speakers are for. <laughs> I didn't know what he was going to preach, but I can tell you I loved it. Amen. How many of you love the blood of Jesus? Amen. Would you say that's in the red on the sacrifice meter? Yes. How do you get close to that? How do you how do you get anywhere near something like that? Well, you have to find <coughs> the areas in your life where you have some skin in the game. Not where you give because it's a blessing. You give because it's a blessing to hurt with him. I'm going to tell you, if there's no sacrifice in it, God's never pleased. He's not. I don't know where all those areas are. For some of you, for some of you, the hardest thing you could possibly do is walk up to a new person and give them a hug and say hello. i got to tell you, in my life, it's been a whole lot harder to give away $100 than 1000 <laughs> So how could that be? Because the time God asked me to give away the hundred, it was my last. The time he asked me to give away a thousand, it was one of several thousand. You need to find that area that is hard for you. This is how your faith grows. Yeah. When it is hard for you, it requires you to trust him. And this is what pleases him. Let's worship. Reflect on that word. We got another ten minutes before it's nine o'clock. The brother brought something from the heavens. Mm -hmm. Don't just go watch your sitcom and forget about it. Please don't do that. Let it sink in. As for me and my household, we'll be looking for something that hurts this week. Yeah. I want to tell you one last thing. This week I had some opportunities that tonight I can see are a blessing. A chance to be inconvenienced for the Lord. And instead, my sinful, twisted, prideful heart was more concerned with who was not sacrificing 
who should be doing this and is not doing it. You see how the devil works even when we do something that's good? He's trying to get our eyes on the wrong thing. I'd begun to be resentful about the opportunity to do something that is a blessing for the Lord. Let's make sure that we serve Him out of a pure heart. Not about what everybody else is not doing. It's not comparing one man's work against another. This is very much between you and the Lord. Can you say at the end of the day that you hurt for Him and know that He's proud of you? Yeah. I bet the Holy Spirit will show your heart right now. I bet he will absolutely, because Brent didn't bring the word for no reason. I bet he's dealing with your heart like he is mine right now. Don't leave the room without a purpose that you're going to act on it, or else this is a big joke and we should just shut the doors. Stand to your feet.